Thanks for being here with us for EESO's podcast series. We're very pleased to have Professor Livio Fenga here with us today to discuss the use of AI in oncology. My name is Livio Fenga. I'm with the University of Exeter, based in the United Kingdom. Both my research and teaching include uh, artificial intelligence. Professor Fengo, would you like to tell us a little bit about um, how we can look at AI as a container of different approaches and methods? Artificial intelligence can indeed be considered as a container of different approaches and methods. Artificial intelligence is a broad field that encompasses various techniques, different algorithms and methodologies, each serving different purposes and solving different types of problems. There are many approaches and methods commonly used in AI, and it might be relevant to clarify that, uh, for instance, machine learning is just one of them. In fact, we also have deep learning, uh, natural language processing, computer vision, evolutionary algorithms, expert systems, reinforcement learning, and so on and so forth. Uh, machine learning, for instance, is a subset of artificial intelligence that deals with algorithms and statistical models that enable computers to learn from data and make predictions or decisions without being explicitly programmed. So we have just seen that there are very many techniques that can be uh, usefully employed in uh, research, uh, uh, especially in oncology. Now I would like to introduce a pretty new uh, technique called GANS, which is short for Generative Adversarial Networks. Um, Those guys are um, a type of artificial intelligence that consists of two main components, a generator and a discriminator. The purpose of GANs is to generate new data that are similar to a given uh, training dataset. So in essence, uh, we have a generator that uh, (coughs) takes random input, often called noise, or a latent vector, and tries to generate synthetic data. For example, if the training dataset consists of images of cats, the generator's goal is to create new images of cats that look realistic. In essence, the, those kind of um, algorithms are trained in an adversarial fashion. In practice, the generator and discriminator are trained together in uh, in such a way that the generator aims to fool the discriminator by generating data that the the discriminator classifies as real, while the discriminator tries to become better at distinguishing real data from generated data. GANs have shown promising applications in the field of oncology, particularly in medical imaging and data generation. Uh, For instance, uh, GANs have been used to uh, generate synthetic data. Um, So GANs can generate um, 
synthetic medical images such as CT scans, MRI scans and histopathology slides which can be useful for training and augmenting limited datasets. Generating synthetic data allows for increased diverse diversity and volume of training samples which can improve the performance of machine learning models used for cancer detection, classification and segmentation. Thank you. And would you like to speak a little bit about mathematical intuition behind an AI algorithm? For example, the case of uh, ANN uh, as applied to cancer detection? Well, artificial neural networks are a type of AI algorithm commonly used in cancer detection and various other applications. But what is the mathematical intuition behind those algorithms? Well, the idea is to approximate complex functions through a network of interconnected artificial neurons inspired by the structure and functioning of biological neural networks. Let's break down the mathematical concepts of AMN and their application to cancer detection. We have neurons. Neurons are the fundamental units of an artificial neural network. So each neuron receives input signals performs a mathematical operation on those inputs and produces an output signal. Mathematically, a neuron's operation involves a simple weighted sum of inputs followed by the application of an, act of a, an activation function. Basically, um, each connection between neurons is associated with a way, representing the strength or importance of that connection. Additionally, each neuron typically has a bias term, which allows the network to learn offset values. These weights and biases are adjusted during the training process to optimize the network's performance. The activation function introduces non-linearity to the output of a neuron, so it determines whether the neuron should be activated or not based on the weighted sum of inputs and biases. So, each artificial neural network decides internally if a fraction of the whole information processed by a single neuron should survive or should be stopped according to the relevance of this very information. In the context of cancer detection, uh, an artificial neural network would be trained on a dataset containing features of cancer samples, e.g. patient characteristics, biomarkers, imaging data and their corresponding labels indicating whether the sample is cancerous or not. The artificial neural network learns to map these features to the current classification by adjusting its weights 
and biases during the training process. Once trained, the artificial neural network can then take new unseen data as input and provide predictions on whether it represents cancer or not. And what's the role of the validation set uh, beside the training and the test sets in oncology? In my experience, many practitioners are familiar with the concepts of training set and test set. However, this is less true if one considers the concept of validation set. In oncology, the validation set plays a crucial role in the development and evaluation of AI models for cancer detection. Now, the validation set serves as an intermediate dataset between the training set and test set, providing a way to assess the generalization performances of the model during its development and fine-tuning stages. It's worth mentioning that the validation set should be always separate from the training and test sets, ensuring independence between those datasets. This separation helps prevent data leakage and ensures that the model's performance on the validation set provides a reliable estimate of its generalization capabilities. Validation set is very important to avoid overfitting. Overfitting occurs when a model becomes too specialized in fitting the training data, resulting in a poor generalization to new unseen data. Therefore, the validation set helps in monitoring and mitigating overfitting. But this is not the whole story. Uh, validation sets are very important um, for model selection and comparison. The validation set is essential for comparing and selecting the best performing model among different variants or appro approaches. By training multiple models on the training set and evaluating them on the validation set, researchers can assess their relative performance in terms of metrics like accuracy, sensitivity, specificity or area under the curve. The model with the best performance on the validation set can thus be chosen as the final model for further evaluation and deployment. In summary, the validation set plays a vital role in model uh, development, hyperparameter tuning, avoiding overfitting, model selection, and estimate the model's performance in oncology. It serves as an intermediate dataset for assessing and fine-tuning the model's performances before final evaluation on the test set <coughs> and potential deployment in clinical settings. Can you speak to us a little bit about the Oakham Razor principle, complexity, the garbage in, garbage out paradigm, when too much information determines low quality outcomes? Oakham's Razor is a principle in uh, philosophy and science that suggests 
that the simplest explanation or solution is often the best. It advocates for selecting the hypothesis or model with the fewest assumptions or entities to explain a given phenomenon. When applied to AI and data analysis, Occam's Razor emphasizes the importance of simplicity and parsimony in models and theories. In the context of complexity and the garbage-in, garbage-out paradigms, it refers to the notion that if low quality or irrelevant information is input into a system, the output or results produced by the system will also be of low quality or unreliable. In other words, the quality of the input greatly influences the quality of the output. So in essence, Occam Razor refers to the fact that too much information uh, almost surely determines love quality outcomes. So huge datasets with thousands of variables might be totally unuseful. This holds true also for model complexity. Complex models might have higher capacity to fit training data well, but they can also be more prone to overfitting and have reduced um, generalization performance on unseen data. Uh, in this regard, Occam's Razor suggests that the simpler models that capture the essential patterns and the relationships in the data may generalize much better and produce more reliable outcomes. In essence, uh, very sophisticated models with many parameters are very likely to account for noise. So they tend to amplify and absorb um, not relevant portion of information. So in summary, those two principles emphasize the importance of simplicity, relevant data and avoiding unnecessary, unnecessary complexity in AI models. I see on regular basis uh, hospitals uh, keep gathering tons of data in the hope that the more the better. Uh, it is not the case in many, many, many instances. And uh, the last topic is perhaps one of the more complex. Um, how to control the uncontrollable. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about when AI is not as smart as we think it is? Yes, sometimes AI is not that smart. Basically, it's wrong. Uh, provides us with the wrong results. The outcomes are not 
right at all. So, in this case, it's very complicated to control the uncontrollable nature of AI algorithms. This is a problem is always referred to as the black box problem, which is um, a challenge in certain AI applications, especially when it comes to complex deep learning models. The lack of inter interpretability and understanding of the inner workings of these models can limit their transparency and um, trustworthiness as well. So, how can we control the uncontrollable? Well, um, the problem is not uh, banal. So, in essence, uh, um, uh, we need to um, make our models as much interpretable uh, as possible. So, instead of using complex black box, models like uh, deep learning which thousand which boosts thousands of neurons uh, consider adopting interpretable models that provide more transparency models like decision trees linear models or real based systems can offer uh, clearer insights into the decision making process allowing the scientists to understand how and why specific predictions are made. But uh, it must be said that uh, those models, in general, uh, cannot achieve the same level of performance as other more sophisticated models like deep learning. Um, another approach is model distillation. Model distillation involves training a simpler and more inter interpretable model to mimic the behavior of a complex black box model. By using the output of the black box model as a training target for uh, the simpler model, uh, it will be possible to create a, a surrogate model that is more transparent and easier to understand while still benefiting from the high performances of the black box model. And finally, my favorite, hybrid approaches and ensemble models. We can combine different AI techniques, um, such as combining black box models with more interpretable model, uh, statistical model, and this can provide a balance between performance and explainability. So, hybrid approaches leverage the strengths of black box model for uh, high accuracy while incorporating interpretable models for um, explainability and control. This approach is commonly referred to ensemble uh, models. So basically, at the end, we can combine the predictions uh, from multiple models and we can have a more robust and reliable result, reducing the reliance on a single black box model.
Thanks so much for sharing your insight on this uh, fascinating topic here with us today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to check out our other EEZO podcasts.